Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 51 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I have the OG of recovery. Yes, the original gangster of recovery, Laura McCowan, is here. Now, if you're new to the recovery scene or have been in the game for a while, you need to know about Laura McCowan. She is amazing. She is, I would say, a pioneer in uh, coming out as sober, sharing her experiences as a writer, author. She was a real game changer in coming out and sharing her experiences and helping other women in recovery. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, hi, Laura. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I am great. I'm like I was just telling you, I have been moving for the past week, so I'm surrounded in a little bit of chaos, but, cool. uh, but I'm happy. I'm, you know, happily exhausted. That's the best kind. Yes. Amazing. Um, so I'm so, so excited to talk to you. You're like the OG of recovery. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, so funny i was like what is she gonna say here yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't know I about mean, that but seriously like you are one of the women who really kind of started this movement by being open and vulnerable and sharing your experiences and thoughts and just knowledge with everyone and you got this huge beautiful ball mo- moving oh thank you it is I- obviously I had no idea that that would be the case, but, but I'll Mm -hmm. take it. I'll take it. I think it's at least partially true. (laughs) It's very true. Take it all. (laughs) All right. I'll take it. Okay. It's yours. Um, so my question for you is what started this? Like what, can you take us back to like way back? Like when it, when it all kind of started and, and where you were at? Yeah. Um, so the question is always, how far back do we go? But I'll, I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up to the, uh, you know, right before the, the beginning of the end. So. Okay. Perfect. I mean, I, I started drinking when I was 16, 15, 16. I grew up in a house where there was a lot of alcohol flowed freely. And I, and I didn't really realize that that was a thing that, that not all families were like that or not all people, you know, homes were like that until of course I got out of it. But uh, there was a lot of drinking around and just normalization of drinking. And I didn't, I, I have a moment where I think about a lot in uh, I like a lot of women, I think I 
developed some pretty bad eating, a pretty bad eating disorder towards the end of high school. And I mm-hmm. started, you know, I had some body issues and um, that was my sort of first attempt to try to control and um, self-medicate really feelings okay. and discomfort and not knowing yeah. what to do about just basic life stuff. And so I started drinking. That was really when I, I kind of got into drinking um, with the intent to numb out was towards the end of high school and beginning of college. And okay. I apologize to everyone. If you can hear that obnoxious noise, we're just going to roll with it. It's, it makes it's, it more authentic. It's more, yeah. Yeah. These are real go. life conversations. Okay. <laughs> and real life has some weird growling noises sometimes. So what up? <laughs> yeah. So I would say the, the, I had no skills. I had no tools. I did not know how to deal with, with feelings. I was very intent on appearing to be strong and, you know, happy and all that. And so for the next, I would say 15 years, there was a combination of exercise, some kind of food restriction, um, Mm. or binging or just food issues, body issues. And, out and drinking and then drugs and there was this that was like I became very good at self-medicating yeah and around the time I, be, I became a mom when I was 31 and okay. that's when drinking started to really change for me I got such bad anxiety after I had her uh I was in a marriage that I was unsure of and, uh, but, and my body just changed, you know, I, I remember Mm. very distinctly at that time thinking like, it doesn't feel the same anymore. It doesn't work anymore. Um, Mm. like it just made me more anxious. Um, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't eat after I had her, it was, things were real bad. And I, but I kept drinking because I thought, you know, I just, I mean, I was well into an addiction at that point and, Mm -hmm. but it changed. And I hear that from a lot of women too, that it just changes when you have kids and and it does. Um, I think hormonally, you know, physiologically it changes, but also um, psychologically and emotionally my dependence on it grew a lot. So, so it ticked up. Like okay. Pretty, pretty so what happened? Went up a lot and a few notches, and um, okay. and then you know y- you add into that that there's this layer of shame and guilt about about it. You know, like I wasn't. It wasn't just me anymore. It was me and and I have a baby now and just take care of her and I'm trying. You know, I was I continue to work and uh. All of that. So that, so I, that changed, that was where it went up, it ticked up. And then I would say like the second time it really ticked up was when I got separated from my husband. Mm. And that was when my daughter was three. And that was like, it was, no one was watching me anymore. You know, he, yeah, it was, he had been watching me and he was kind of the only he is really the only one maybe there were a couple other people my actually my one friend Kate knew but he was really the only one that knew how bad it was you know because he lived with me and uh and when he left it was like all right it's on nobody's watching and when I didn't have my daughter I would just go for it I wouldn't come home and yeah uh, and then I'd spend the time that I did have with her, you know, controlling it a little bit more, mm-hmm. recovering from the benders I would go on when I didn't have her. And when she was, so fast forward to 2013 and I got a DUI in May of 2013. That was pretty horrific. And, and yet I was like, ah, 
people get DUIs. Right. <laughs> you know, that that's why God invented them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people get DUIs. It's a thing that happens. Yeah. And, but it, but it did, it did, uh, scare me for sure because it, w- it was, it was a really, I, I mean, I spent the night in jail and I had mm-hmm. to hear that police report be read to me and it was, it was, it rattled me a bit, but, uh, I probably would have kept going if not for, um, there was my brother's wedding was in July of that year, a few months later. And I had a horrific night, the night of his wedding where okay. I, I left my daughter unattended and it oh. was a very public thing and that my family was there. And so that was sort of the day or the night that pricked a big old hole in my denial. Um, yeah. And it also got other people who had like my family who had been willing to go along. Um, Cause they didn't, they don't live, you know, they, they're, they don't live with me. They, they live in a state away or whatever. So no one, you can excuse a lot of stuff away because overall I was doing fine. I had a great job. I had, I had always been successful that way and I kept things generally together. Um, So, but after that, everyone was like, yeah, and not everyone, but people, you know, my mom, (laughs) my brother, Mm -hmm. people that people were watching me at that point. So I started, that was, it was shortly after that, that I started to, I went to my first 12 step meeting. I started to talk about it a little bit and, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until a full over a year later that I finally stopped drinking. So, and in that year, I call that my purgatory year. It was, it was about as hard as, as life (laughs) had ever been, you know, you're straddling. I was straddling two worlds of trying to get sober, sort of not really wanting to, um, Mm -hmm. and grappling with all that it might mean to get sober. And, uh, I was sober for a lot more time in that year than I drank. But when I drank, it was darker and secretive and I got, you know, totaled a car. I, uh, I was, I was really bad. I was in bad, bad, bad shape at that point Yeah. Uh, in, in all ways, you know, and I also had just gone through a separation. I was pretty isolated, extraordinarily isolated and, uh, scared. I was terrified, yeah. um, to keep drinking. And I was terrified to get sober too. So, and I kept thinking there had to be some other way, <laughs> like there just had yeah. to be some other option, you know, yeah. then to get sober. I just couldn't believe it. So, but Can't finally have like a lobotomy or something like, just yeah, like, can you just be great? some part yeah. of my brain that, you know, uh, yeah, like, uh, just, de- it's devastating. You know, it was, it was devastating to me and yeah. Yeah, but then you know, finally in two thousand September two thousand fourteen, I had my last day one, and okay. it wasn't ex- anything extraordinary. It was just another. I was exhausted, and mm. I was exhausted of myself. You know, telling myself that I was going to finally stop, and you know, I had also started to see in that year what life could be like and what I was capable of if I was sober. Mm -hmm. I mean, you start to put together a little bit of sober time and it's like, Oh, you know, there, these little lights start to go on, you know, Mm -hmm. like I don't have to hate myself every fucking morning. I don't have to wake up with that crushing anxiety. To me, that was the worst part of drinking by far is just that soul crushing anxiety the next day of what I had done and who I had talked to and you know, what messes I'd made. Um, yeah. Even if, even if I had made no messes, the anxiety had got to such a point that I, oh, I almost always had to take something cause I, I would have panic attacks. Um, and that yeah. really making that connection was huge for me. I don't think a lot of people realize that it, there's like a, it, uh, there's a, physiological link between anxiety and alcohol 
And yes, we think that it makes us better. We think because that's what we're told and that's what we're sold. And just culturally, that's what we believe. This is how you, this is how you calm down and relax. And it does Mm -hmm. completely the opposite. So, um, so I started to taste what that would be like, you know, and build some of that. I mean, I started right away. The first thing I noticed is that I was just killing it at work. I was like, I got promoted. I was doing so well. I was wow. doing really well when, when I had some sobriety at work Yeah, and it was like, okay, well, what if that happened to the rest of your life? You know? And, and I started to write a lot at that time, um, kind of writing my way through trying to get sober and that was something that I had always talked about doing. I'd always wanted to do. It was like this dream that year after year after year, I would, you know, still wasn't doing it. And it was like, I right. was getting into my thirties and then my mid thirties. And it was like, maybe this isn't going to ever happen. And that, that too was devastating. I mean, I think yeah, you know, alcohol robs our potential completely. And so, and I think that that, is something that isn't just, it's not just like a benign thing when we don't use our potential. Something really dark takes its place. And mm-hmm. that's what was going on with me, or part of what was going on with me. And I, I don't know. I just, I stopped promising myself that I wouldn't drink anymore. I just said, I'm not going to do it today. And I started to just, keep it that way and yeah I didn't know that my last day one would be my last day one but it was and then um and then it just got to a point where thing you know started to get so much they they didn't get better like as in life was rainbows I never had the pink cloud I never had any of that but I started to um I put both feet into it you know eventually and that I think yeah. is the difference I wasn't trying to keep one foot in both worlds hmm would you say yeah. I mean, a lot of people say they surrendered would you what would be your operative word committing Sur- mm, they're certainly committing but not yeah surrendering is it, yes surrendering although it's cliche is is real you know i okay. surrender to the fact that um I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. Well, this is what I surrendered to. Like... I wasn't going to drink that day. That's it. And that's all I promised myself. I didn't, it was, I couldn't do the forever thing, right? Whenever I would try to imagine forever, I was like, it would just melt my brain. Like, what does that even fucking mean? What do you mean? I'm not. And so I, I would just say right now, like you just aren't going to do it right now and you're not going to do it today. And if you want to tomorrow, I will, you can you know, you can fine. And, and I would do that every day and I meant it too. You know, it was like, if you want to fucking wake up and drink tomorrow and call out of work and drink 10 bottles of wine in your room, fine. But inevitably you make it through and not every day was like that, but most days were like that in the beginning. It was really hard for me. Um, I wasn't one of those, like, I'm going to decide. And then, and I, I, I missed drinking for a really long time. And so I, yeah, I, I, so there was a surrender like that. Um, and I surrendered to the fact, I, I guess, you know, I had always been a pretty, have always been a pretty spiritual person. And I knew that 
drinking, I felt it in a way that I couldn't even articulate that when I drank, I disconnected myself from the best parts of me and the, and the, mm. the best, most um, worthwhile, beautiful, ineffable parts of life. Mm-hmm. And I, and whether you call that God or whatever, I knew that drinking disconnected me that way. And so I wanted more of that. I didn't want to be disconnected from that because I, I had this sense that I had something really, some big stuff to do. Like, and I started to write and I started to do podcasts and I started to like use all of that all of that big energy that I had that I've always felt like I had to burn off somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, with drinking or with just yeah. other manic shit. I started to yeah. use it for that. And wow. Yeah. I mean, it's always this, it's hard. It's always hard to just as many times as I've told my story and as many times as, um, I mean, even after writing it in a book, it's like, it's still hard to articulate, you know, because it's so many things and yeah, it's so many things that contribute to like, why did it finally stop? But I will, I will say this. I think it's important to hear, at least it was important for me to hear. Like I, I wrote a piece once called the tipping point and there was, you know, I, when I first like after my brother's wedding, I was acutely addicted to alcohol. I mean, I was physically addicted. I went through a period of severe withdrawal. I should have been, I should have hospitalized myself, but I didn't know. Okay. I didn't know how bad it could be. I didn't know that I was, I didn't even realize how much I was drinking, but I went through like bad withdrawal. I mean, and there was a period of time where I was physically addicted. Okay. But after a year and after ha- having accumulated so much knowledge and um, not, you know, I was, pro- I was drinking like once every three weeks or something. So my point is like, I, I was making the choice at that point to drink right. when I, when I did, even if I said, it, even if it didn't feel like I was, there was like a, a fuck it moment every time right. before, totally. I drank, before I drank. And I finally, um, I read this, I will never forget it. I was walking home from work Mm -hmm. and I was reading this on my iPhone, like as I was walking um, this book by Augustin Burroughs called This Is How. And he has a chapter called How to Put Down Your Drink. And I've always loved him, love his work. And I, this chapter, How to Put Down Your Drink, he says in 100% of the cases, um, of alcoholism, people who have recovered have done one thing. And I'm paraphrasing. He says it much better. Um, they didn't drink. They just didn't do it. And it was like, right. (laughs) Actually have to stop drinking, have to stop drinking. (laughs) And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it was like, I had, I had to just stop, you know, and it took, it took like, there was never going to be a good time. It was never, I had tried for so long. It was never going to be easier. I was never going to want to more. The Mm -hmm. want to do it was never going to go away. So I had to figure out how to burn through that. Yeah. So I had to actually stop. And um, I remember sitting down and just being like, it's this fuck. This has to be fucking over. You just there. The the window has to fully close. Like no more fire doors. You know, yeah. no more, <laughs> no more like little cracks open. And for mm. me, that meant telling everybody. Like I had left little people. Like I would. I wouldn't tell certain people that I wasn't drinking. You know, at work or people that I could potentially drink with because I wanted right. to leave that open. I wasn't. Okay. Yeah, I would leave little openings and I was very aware of all that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That is fascinating. (laughs) 
<laughs> Why? Just like, <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I love hearing everyone's stories, but I just love like some of your analogies and even like just leaving the little cracks and, you know, maybe a tiny little trail just in case, yeah. you know, I maybe change my mind for a split second. I have an avenue to exercise. Absolutely. And it, and it's, yeah. and I, and I did it in all kinds of ways, you know, like I would date, I would be on Bumble or Tinder and I would go on a date and mm. not tell them because I knew like I could get away with it. This is a person that yeah. just doesn't know me. Right. And I mean, this will never amount to a relationship, but I have that open or like even just, right. you know, taking where I decided to take my daughter to dinner. Like, am I going to go to Bertucci's? <laughs> I love it. This is like suburbia. <laughs> so, okay. Am I going to go to Bertucci's or Panera? Bertucci's <laughs> serves wine. And am I going to put myself in that moment to have to make a decision? Because in the back of my mind, right. I know that like she doesn't know that I'm not supposed to be doing it, you know? Right. So all all these little ways we trick ourselves and even just any, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of like just shutting it all down, shut down anything that puts you in this place where you have to make a decision until you're strong enough to make the decision. Yeah. You know, and I had to do that. So, and it's hard to do that. Your life gets real small before it gets big again. Yeah. I mean, I I totally understand about getting smaller. So how have you kind of opened that back up? Oh my God. I mean, the fact that I thought my life was in any way big, it, that drink, my drinking life was big is yeah. ridiculous. It was so tiny, you know? Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, I made drinking alcohol made every decision about my life, every single mm -hmm. decision, you know, where I was going to go and who I was going to hang out with and what I was going to do or not do. And, ugh. but, um, it's, it was slow, you know, I'll be five years sober next month and it was slow, but at the same time, things also got big fast because while I was shutting down, like I didn't do a lot of this any of the social shit that I used to do anymore mm -hmm. I started writing which like meant oh, it, it, it meant everything to me you know I yeah. it's the thing I'd always wanted to do and I started sharing that writing and I started to do home podcasts and that became this big thing and that we hadn't you know never predicted and um mm -hmm. I I quit my job into you know two years into sobriety and started doing the work I'm doing now and I made new friends and I slowly started to build things back up and it's like it's time is weird right the days can be really long but when I look back now it's like god it's like a blink and at the same time totally. at the same time it's um God, there's a lot of life packed into that those five years. I mean, it's a whole different it's a whole different reality now. So yeah, the every, my life is bigger in every single way. Some things have gone slower than others, though. I did. I would say I didn't really have a, a social like crew. Like a really, it took a long time to get establish new friendships that were really. Um, significant you know i think because yeah. partially i didn't know how to be a real friend before okay and two it's i had to figure out who the hell i was <laughs> mm -hmm. and what i was doing and yeah yeah you have to and kind what of you learn, want. learn how to be a human again or yeah right time. yes yeah. <laughs> how to yeah. feel a feeling and how to have boundaries and how to yeah, it's it's it is like learning life for the first time in a lot of ways. So, what do you look for in friends now? Like when you said building mm -hmm. significant relationships, what do you look for in those relationships? Yeah, I love this question. Um, 
I I look for people who are, you know, on some kind of a path, like mm-hmm. growing, interested in growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to be attracted to people who are doing really cool things, you know, whether it's with work or um, creatively or um, just overall, like people who have been through some shit and are are kind of committed to, they're leaning into life and not in like the Sheryl Sandberg way, no offense to her, not at like, <laughs> Not in that, not in, not in the workplace, but like they're, you know, they're leaning in a little bit. And yeah, um, I look for people who. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com ASGG. It's funny. What the the thing is, I think that I just attract different people now. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm sure you feel that way too. Like, I don't. I oh, don't yeah. meet anybody even who drinks a lot or cares about that because I'm. It's one is I'm not in those situations, so I'm not crossing yeah. paths. But I also just happen. I don't know. People kind of show up into your life. I think that it was always happening, but I was just too knocked out <laughs> to know yeah um yeah, well, yeah so you're, you're not you're not looking for it right or you're not like paying attention you're like oh cool you don't drink by like next yeah no you're just I on was... a different different wavelength yeah you're in a different a different path and so i meet people who are generally on some kind of path yeah um, yeah okay. yeah and as far as friends i mean my friend circle is still pretty small but they're mm-hmm. small and Small and deep, you know? Yeah. Yes. I like that. I, I mean, I, I prefer quality over quantity any day. Yes. In all things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but especially in relationships. I agree. I, I used to have like a massive social circle and. Yeah. You know, and, but I didn't, you know, it was all pretty much based on drinking. Yeah. If I, if I really looked at it. And like, for some reason, it always like the more the merrier, like the more people drinking, the better. Oh, because yeah. Then, you know what? Like, I, I just felt like, okay, if everyone else is doing it, if 20 other people are doing it, why can't I? Like, Why can't I? I and I, yeah. better chance for me to no blend in when I, when I inevitably become an asshole. Yeah. Totally. Or a really nice big audience for me to perform like a total little circus monkey. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, that makes me squirm. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So how do you practice your sobriety? Hmm. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. 
Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Um, oh my God, can you hear that? Yeah, is it men talking? It's men talking. There's just men outside okay. laughing and talking <laughs> as they do. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, I live right above the Harbor Master. So there's there when they like take a break, sometimes they sit down there and laugh. And it's great unless you're on an, in a, in an interview. Um, so how do I practice my sobriety? Well, sobriety has definitely changed. You know, I don't think about drinking or not drinking anymore. I have it for right. a long time, but it seems there's always something that shows up that I, you know, work on for okay. in like year, my third year, it was, I had an, a massive emotional bottom and had to do all the work on my really men. It was my relationships with men. And I went through the 12, 12 steps um, and cleaned up a lot of my relationship stuff. So I guess emotional sobriety and yeah. that's a continual thing, but, but I really hit a bad place around year three and that came and then, you know, slowly it's always like, there's been the food thing and there's been, um, I was still taking Ambien up until last year and quitting that was a whole, like, I never overused it. I used it as prescribed, but I was taking it every night and I didn't, you know, it didn't feel right about it after a while. I knew that I needed to stop it. And I knew that it was fucking me up in in the way that I wasn't going to be able to do the things I wanted to do, like finish writing my book. Okay. Or actually it was when, around the time I was sold my book, I was going to sell my book and I just had this, you know, I, my intuition's pretty good now and I am pretty in tune with it. And it was like, girl, you got to cut this shit out and, or that you're not going to be able to get to the next thing. And I did, it was really hard. It was really hard. Um, and you know, three weeks later, something like that. I sold my book and, um, yeah. And so it just seems like it's layer after layer. Yeah. Um, but how do I practice it now? I don't know. I don't know that I consciously practice it other than emotionally. I definitely have to keep things pretty clean. Like if I feel like I have done something wrong or acted like an asshole or, you know, I, I apologize quickly. I try to make things right quickly. Um, okay. Or if there's an issue, I try to talk about it quickly so that I don't sit there with it and stew. Um, but things, my relationships are a lot cleaner than they used to be uh, overall. So there's not a lot of that. But of course, just because life is life, there stuff comes up. Um, right. I mean, I... I don't mean to make it sound like I like I just coast through life because I have to do a lot of things just to keep myself, yeah, stable. Um, yeah, and so, but I think it's just more of it, they're so ingrained at this point that it's just what I do. Like I, I move my body, I, I exercise a ton, and and yeah. sleep like it's a religion, and I take care of, uh, I do a lot of self-care things, which was never really a struggle for me. I was never the kind of person who 
you know, needed another pass to like <laughs> give some me time, which, which yeah. a lot of women do, you know, they feel it, that wasn't my thing. My thing's more like discipline. Like you got to take care of these sort of non-negotiable things that you have to do. Or I get, I, I don't do, I get, uh, I become a not well person pretty quickly. Okay. So I'd say that's okay. how I practice it. Just daily, yeah. daily, simple stuff, but critical stuff. Yeah. Critical. That stuff compounds and it does, you know, therapy and I take medication and when I add it all up, it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff I do just to stay. Yeah. Stay. But, and I think, you know, maybe more than anything, I just keep my life really, really, really simple. Really simple. I don't overextend myself. I don't, I say no to most things truly Mm. like social things or um extra stuff i don't know things are really simple and i love it that way that sounds great (laughs) simple um tell me more about your book okay when can we expect it what's going on (laughs) i mean i saw the cover and it's so cute thank you thanks so pretty yeah, covers are, that was a whole journey. Um, thank you. So it comes out January 7th. I, okay. uh, it is available for pre-order now. And that's Ooh. the most amazing thing that anyone can do because all the pre-order sales count, you know, for the sale, like the first week sales. So they mean a lot to an author. It's kind of the way to like tell the publisher that it's to put your vote in. For, yeah. the, for the book, so to speak. So um, it's about all of this. It, I really wanted to write a book about what it's like to get sober. It's a, okay. There's a decent amount about my drinking story, but it's a lot about it is about what happened after I got sober or, you know, in that year of sort of purgatory time. Um, because that for me was when I was grappling with everything, what it meant emotionally to get sober, what it meant for my love life, what it was like to be a mother, um, how I dealt with my relationships, especially my separation and divorce going through that time. And um, yeah, it's just kind of like what I would have wanted to know or what I, what I needed to hear as someone going through that. And I talk about, AA and sort of my path with AA, which has been interesting. I, you know, I, I went, I went and I, I have done the steps and I don't go anymore, but I have a lot of respect for the program. Um, but just also giving people permission to like have their own path, whatever it is, you know, and I never want to tell people do that, do yes, you have to do it or no, you don't do it. You know, I feel like there aren't a lot of middle, middle way voices when it comes to that. And, you know, I, I owe certainly, I could say I owe my life to AA because in that first year, the people in there saved me. I mean, literally saved my life multiple times, but um, it's also not, not ultimately where I ended up. And so I talk about that because it's, tricky and I think important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what it's about. It's called We Are the Luckiest. Um, so cute. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. So where can, where can everyone pre-order it? So it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's on IndieBound. It's on all the places. You could also just go to my website and there's, you know, a, a tab called book and you can, I will um, be doing kind of a, a launch team for people who pre-order and you can pre-order now and be part of that later. Um, it's okay. like, you don't have to wait, but um, the best, the best thing to do is to get on my email list because that's where I, I love my email list and I know everybody has one and it's like, well, I'm vigilant about the emails I get in my inbox, but I love sending those emails. I love it. It's like, kind of the way I blog now. I blog a lot less than okay. I do, but I love writing those emails. And that's, you know, I treat that list as like kind of an inner circle of people that get to know about what is going on first. Um, mm-hmm. so that's the best thing to do. And yeah, you can pre-order, pre-order it at all the usual spots. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. 
I have one more question for you. Okay. Okay. So to anyone listening to us right now who's either thinking about getting sober or like maybe struggling in their sobriety right now, what piece of advice would you give them? Thinking about getting sober or struggling, struggling with trying to? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So many things. <laughs> um, well, I'll just pick one. I think, sure. I think one of the most important things is to tell somebody in real life what's going on. I get, mm. I get probably 100 emails a week. Mm-hmm. And most of them are from people who are doing, are living this private hell where literally no one knows what's going on with them. And they're, oh. they're trying to figure it out. And Brene Brown has this great quote. It's, um, if you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three things to grow. Secrecy, silence, secrecy, and isolation or something like that. So mm-hmm. what that said, and, and I know that's true. You, it's the hardest thing in the world to do to say those words for the first time to somebody. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the start of everything, you know? Um, and if, if you have already told people say in your life, and this happens a lot too, and they're like, you don't have a problem. You're fine. Mm-hmm. You got to tell someone yeah. who, uh, if you can tell someone that's sober and has gone through this, do that, you know, um, yeah. because you need someone who really understands exactly what's going on. A lot of times people, because we're so good at hiding, yeah, don't see what, what we're going through. And it's really hard to explain. Um, and sometimes that can just be the validation that you need to keep going. It's like, no, you're fine. You know, cause a lot of people right. are fine. They appear to be fine. So I would tell somebody, right. um, you know, the other thing is, um, you asked for one, but I'll give two. Okay. Um, there's literally nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with the fact that you got addicted to an addictive substance. It's ridiculous. And this is one of the reasons I, I started, I wanted to talk about this so bad because it's one of those things where it's like, what the fuck is going on that we have the perceptions that we do about alcohol, Mm -hmm. this thing that we should be able to tolerate when it is more addictive and more dangerous than all the other drugs combined. So there's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And addiction is the most human condition, not just for people who are addicts and, and alcoholics. And I don't even use those labels, but it's, from the beginning of time, written into every anthropological record and historical record, humans have been addicted. It's just our nature and there's nothing wrong with you. You know, I think so much of this is like, I have a problem. There's something significantly wrong with me. It's like now yeah. it's just doing the thing that it does. And, yeah. and it's an invitation. It really is. Oh man, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Wow. Well, you've you've been there. When you've been there, you know. Yep. And things do get better. God, they get better. Yes. They yeah. absolutely 1000% get better. Right? I remember people Look at you. Used, I remember Ooh. people used to say that, you know, in yeah. it gets better and it was like, fuck off. Like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is okay. And I thought they were all full of shit. Yeah. It was like, you just totally. aren't as complicated and smart as I am. And, you know, your life right. must suck. But you're just trying to talk yourself into it. That's fine. Right. I know it sucks. <laughs> I always thought that they had, like, someone bailing them out. You know, like, I thought I like would look at people who always said that. And they'd always be, like, for some reason, the most successful or the most, like, wealthiest people. I'm like... Who is funding this? Who's funding your happiness? <laughs> no one is funding mine. Like the bank 
is gone, dude. Like, help me out here. What do you mean? <laughs> like, they were funding what? I don't know. That's just what I had some, like, totally fucked up perception in my mind. Like, you know, I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, they somehow had a secret fund. I don't know, like, struck a freaking millionaire. Like, I don't know, found a leprechaun at the end of some goddamn rainbow. Who knows? That's so funny. As if that, <laughs> as if that would work, you know. I know, I know. But like, this is where, yeah, that's where my mind went. Yeah, so that's a little insight to my, my thinking. I love. That. <laughs> oh my god, Laura! Thank you so so much for taking the time. You're so welcome. To chat with us and share your experiences and knowledge. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing this work. It's important. There you have it. The facts, the story, the tips, the tricks, right from an original gangster of recovery herself, Laura McCowan. I'm so excited and so grateful to be able to bring these amazing guests and their stories and their motivation, inspiration, and wisdom to you because this is so important. Just talking about our stories, our experiences, and the challenges we have overcome has given the leeway to others to find their strength to overcome their obstacles in their life. So I'm very, very grateful to be able to provide this space to everyone. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I couldn't do this without you. I really, really mean it, and I really appreciate it. So go ahead and like, subscribe, and give us some feedback. We love to know what you're thinking. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girls Guide and the blog at asobergirlsguide.com. If you have not checked out my book, Save Your Own Damn Life, it is available now on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.